He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. And we're back. Hey, everybody, it's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your host and resident clown, Jack Heald. Phil, who is this bizarre-looking character you have invited on the show? I don't know who this guy is. Kind of looks like we have Bono on with us. Uh, I've been uh, getting some high-level guests now. You didn't know the connections I had. But uh, well, I've already heard him talk, so I know it's not. Bono. Yeah. So again, I'm uh, another discussion that I'm really excited for. Um, you know, when uh, when I conceptualized starting this podcast, um, it was really you know with the goal of ultimately being able to talk to some of the interesting people that I've come across in life. And Charles uh, Mayfield, mm-hmm. who's joining us today, is certainly one of those people. Uh, who I had the uh, fortune, uh, the good fortune to just sort of stumble across uh, over the uh, interwebs, as they say. And um, as I learned more and more about his story, I said, this is someone that I need to I need to know more about and we need to get more people knowing about. So I'm going to turn it over to Charles to just kind of briefly give some of his background, and then we'll get into some of the real interesting stuff that he's doing around health. And we're going to answer the question that Jack actually asked before we uh, started recording, which was, why did Phil invite a guy who sells skincare products onto the podcast? Yeah, I love it. Why? I love it. I love it. Well, so we'll start with with interest. First and foremost, uh, Phil, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, Jack, uh, obviously a, a pleasure to be with you as well. I have, um, this is a, this is a very exciting. You don't have to suck up to me. It's his show. Well, I, it, it's, it's a real honor. I am, uh, pleased <laughs> to be here. I appreciate you guys, uh, working around the schedule, uh, this evening. Um, we, we had a little snafu on, on my end and, uh, you guys were, were very flexible and I appreciate that. Uh, in terms of uh, um, who I am, I'm having I'm my doing. evening drink, though. So, oh, f- good, good for you. I'm I'm having my evening kombucha right now. So, uh, um, salute. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I am uh, I, I'm a jack of many trades, uh, arguably master of absolutely none. Uh, but uh, I'm a regenerative farmer at heart. I, I raise uh, uh, meat. Mostly uh, pasture-based meat here in East Tennessee, beef, pork, chicken. Uh, we do eggs. Uh, do a batch of turkeys in the uh, in the fall. I've uh, been doing that since uh, 2016, 2017. We actually launched Mayfield Pastures, which is a very small micro regenerative farm here in East Tennessee. I service uh, customers, very uh, a handful of customers in Chattanooga and Atlanta. Um, and so uh, that's that's been a real joy. I absolutely love farming, especially in a regenerative way. I do a lot of modeling after uh, sort of the, the 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 greats that have come before me and are still around. Joel Salatin uh, is one that comes to mind. Uh, Joel's actually been a real um, 
sort of a de facto farming mentor for me for for many years. Has been very generous with his time. Uh, he was featured in Michael Pollan's book uh, Omnivore's Dilemma oh, yeah. a number of years ago. Yeah, and, I'm familiar um, with my, with Salatin. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Uh, Joel and his family have been very kind to me and in sharing their knowledge. And of course, he's he, he's a prolific writer as well. So I uh, most of my farming started in the pages of his books. But uh, uh, but uh, anyway, and so uh, yeah, regenerative farming been doing that for a, for a number of years. I had a, a very interesting um, episode. Uh, we go into this on my website a little bit. Uh, episode. In uh, July 5th of 2019, I was uh, knee-deep in, in uh, the hemp business, hemp industry. We sort of made a big launch into hemp in 2019 after the Farm Bill of 18 had passed. Uh, long story short, I got uh, very, very sunburned. And um, I had a background, have a, have a background in, in culinary pursuits and cooking. My, my ex-wife and I have co-authored a number of best-selling cookbooks in the paleo space. And so um, this all ties together, I promise. But um, <laughs> God, I hope so. Yeah. So I uh, came home from a particularly grueling 48 hours of farming uh, with a really bad sunburn. Uh, you know, for your listeners, I'm sure we can all relate to a, to a lobster red type sunburn. And uh, the medicine cabinet was empty. Uh, I was sort of scratching my head. What am I going to do? I, I cook a lot, and uh, being a, a pastured um, meat producer, I had a jar of lard in my refrigerator that I was using to cook with. And so, in a uh, in a moment of I, I guess panic and and also curiosity, rather than driving to the farm pharmacy and trying to pick up some cream, I decided to lather up my scorched skin with uh, with rendered pig fat, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the long story short is um, it, it soaked immediately soaked into my skin, which I thought was fascinating. Um, took a shower, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, put another layer on because things felt good. So that was it. Two applications in a, in a day or two. My, my sunburn had completely resolved, which I thought was curious and awesome. Uh, but it also, you know, I had been sunburned plenty of times in my life. So when the sunburn left, I started paying attention. And for the next two to three weeks, at no point did I ever peel. And, you know, for those that have had a, a especially a particularly nasty sunburn, you always peel, even if it's a week or two weeks, you know, yeah. post sunburn. And so with two applications of my, uh, of my lard, my pastured pig's lard, um, I never peeled and the, and the sunburn was gone. And, and so that's really the, the light bulb moment for me. I started playing around at that point. This is again, two, about two and a half years ago, playing around with various <clears throat> DIY recipes and tinkering and tinkering again with this culinary background, just playing around in the kitchen. And <clears throat> all of that has culminated into uh, the launch of our our the first lard based skincare company product <clears throat> that I'm aware of in the U.S. Uh, we launched back in uh, January. Uh, Faro F A R R O W dot Life is our website, and uh, yeah, just trying to to give people a, a we don't use any preservatives or chemicals in our it's a full fat um, product. 
and we don't use any preservatives or chemicals, uh, which, it, which again, is sort of tying into uh, why I'm here today, which is to talk about sort of metabolic health through the lens of skincare. And, wow. um, yeah, so I, I'm going to stop there. I've been, I've been on the mic here for a minute and, and, uh, so first of all, the website is pharaoh.life. Correct. Pharaoh.life. All right. We'll make sure that shows up in the <clears> show notes. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, uh, interested me, you know, uh, a lot when I started talking with Charles and I had met him was, you know, the uh, concept that, you know, there are three ways essentially that we get nutrients into our body or we get uh, things into our body. We can either take them, you know, eat them or drink them. So they come through our gastrointestinal tract and they get absorbed. We can breathe them in and they get absorbed, you know, within the lungs or we can absorb things through our skin. And, um, you know, many people will be aware that skin is your largest organ. And it turns out that there's a very good relationship, you know, or, or bad relationship, I guess, depending on what you're allowing to come into contact with your skin between your skin health and your overall health. Uh, so when I heard about what Charles was doing, um, you know, it was immediately interesting to me. And then, of course, um, you know, uh, as we discussed, actually, in, in great detail on our last two episodes with Texas Slim, um, you know, regenerative farming is, I think, one of the, um, you know, areas that we need to focus more on as we look to improve our health systemically. And uh, again, that's uh, something that Charles uh, brings to the table. And uh, Charles, uh, just to go a little bit more into the farming background, um, this is a uh, a family uh, pursuit for you, correct? You're you're multi-generational? My my family has a multi-generational background in dairy farming. Uh, by the time I was coming of age, Mayfield dairy was no longer a, 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 an active dairy. It was more of a scaled up, uh, milk bottler. Uh, you know, if you know much of, I'm sure Slim and you guys touched on this, but you know, sort of the aggregation and industrialization of, of our food supply, um, Mayfield, Mayfield dairy was, was effectively a milk bottler by the time I was, I was, uh, in my teenage and, early adult years but yes i do have some background uh to in that in that regards but never never really we had a couple backyard chickens and goats when i was growing up but uh the 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 true farming pursuit was a was a something relatively new to me uh as i started here you know five six years ago i've got like 900 million questions i want to ask you Come on, man. I may be. It's possible that I'm exaggerating. Um, let me just ask all the ones that come to mind immediately, and you can bat back the ones that you want to you want to play with, and ignore the ones you don't. Um, I want to know how you, specifically in detail, got started with regenerative farming. I want to know how much land it takes to do what you're doing on. I want to know how a person could start that on a small amount of man land and how they would go. I have been wondering this before I talked to you and it's a good thing that you came along. Cause I can ask this, how many cattle does it take 
to feed a family of four if you're raising your own cattle? How, how many do you have to own at any given time? That's all the farming-related questions that came to mind immediately. Now I have a skincare questions I also want to throw at you. You're free to take any or none of these. Um, do you smell like bacon, and do dogs really enjoy being around you now? And furthermore, do are men kind of unnaturally attracted to you and don't know why? Because, well, obviously, if somebody smells like bacon, we're mm-hmm. all going to be interested in that. Um, and that. And that's only a partially humorous question i'm genuinely interested lard and then the last and probably to me the most interesting question is can you speculate as to the mechanism at work with this lard cream i got it all Go. i got it all jack all right so let me i'm, I'm gonna punt a couple of your questions but i'm gonna try and give you an answer so and let's see, let me turn that on. Okay. So, um, you threw a bunch of farming questions out there. I'm going to, de- I'm going to default most of my farming question answers to my dear friend, Joel Salatin. Um, in terms of, he has a fairly new book called micro polyface, um, that addresses, I well, think that's the name of his farm. Uh, poly polyface is, uh, is the name of his farm. I want to say that the new book is called micro polyface. It's basically taking a homesteader style approach to what they do there. So scaling it down to more of a, <clears throat> excuse me, homesteady type level of production. I think that'll wrap up a bunch of different, uh, questions you asked in terms of acreage and how many cows, I mean, how many cows does it take to feed a family of four? Um, it would take a couple to feed my family because we eat a lot of beef, um, but it just just depends. Uh, so, so that, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use Joel as sort of my outlet for answering your farming questions. Um, all right, so then we're Fair then enough. we're jumping into skincare. How did I get here? Was that was that a no? The question the the, the question was. Do men love being around you because you oh, smell like yeah. bacon? Okay. Yeah, you yeah. attract okay. a lot of dogs. And okay. most importantly, speculate about the mechanism of action here. Absolutely. Okay. So um, let, let me clear one thing up. We're not rendering uh, bacon fat in our creams. Um, so lard is rendered back fat. People think it's going to smell like bacon when in reality, bacon has been cured and smoked um, before you cook it. So, uh, I'm not saying I'm not against coming out with a smoky cured scented, uh, men's cream at some point, but our, we have a proprietary. I I think you, I think there's a, a, there's a a market begging for. There's a play there somewhere. We have a, we have a proprietary blend of essential oils that, um, that we use for our scented cream. We have an unscented cream. And I guess for your listeners, it's important to understand that, that uh Faro is not odorless. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an animal fat base. We use, we actually use lard, leaf lard and tallow in various uh, proportions. Uh, okay. I you're going to have to define those. I, I'll, I'll get, I'll come back to that, but we, so we use animal fat. These are all animal fats that we're utilizing in our creams and they all have different viscosities. They all have different, uh, 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 scent profiles. And so in terms of turning 
those into a cream for your face versus a cream for your body. Uh, we tinker with those quite a bit, but we have a, a an essential oil. We use uh, doTERRA essential oils. They're one of the uh, highest quality uh, branded essential oil companies in the world. We use their essential oils to blend in a, a, a proprietary scent <clears throat> for our creams. And, um, and so, so the, the goal is to, is to not smell like bacon, obviously, but, uh, we've got a very relaxing scent on our skin food and face food. But for those that are, um, as an example, but perhaps allergic to uh, lavender or grapefruit oil or sandalwood, those are sort of the combinations we're using now. Um, then they can get a, a scent free version, which again, I think smells fantastic. Um, <laughs> we have had a couple of issues where our customers leave their uh, leave their creams on the counter near their dogs, and uh, the dogs like the creams. So if you're a pet lover, you're going to really love Pharaoh uh, <laughs> because they they really enjoy um, really enjoy the 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 uh, smell. I guess. Um, I have a couple dogs here on the farm and, and we don't really have that issue, but, uh, but yes, dog, dogs, dogs are going to love you even more than they love you now. And, uh, this okay, is the really, so, this so is let, the really, go ahead. Yeah. I, so talk about if you know, or at least speculate, why did this work? Okay. Cause what so you I, described was putting fat, yep. rendered fat on your sunburn and, you noted that it instantly, well, I don't, I don't know if you said instantly, but you noted that it quickly absorbed into your burned skin, relieved the burn. I'm inferring that. You didn't say it explicitly. And after a second application, you never um, um, blistered or shed or, or any of that. All right. So let's and talk I, about Let's talk Blame about the mechanisms. That. Yeah, let's talk about the mechanisms. Okay, standard skincare, okay, is standard skincare, moisturizers and the like um, out there is an emulsification, okay, of roughly 75% water and 25% fat, okay? So that's your standard run-of-the-mill cream, okay? So let's talk about one reason it works so well is that fat, okay? So most of the skincare market is built on sort of a, um, vegan model, plant-based, cruelty-free, plant-based fat model. Okay, so your shea butters, right. your olive oils, your coconut oils, and and those are those are the higher quality uh, oils that are used. I mean, you've got a lot of nasty sort of seed oils that are snuck into a lot of creams as well. But again, in a standard skincare market, all of your fats are plant-based. Okay, we're using animal fat. I you know. The last time I checked, I was a mammal. I, I could probably go see my doctor uh, next week and get another test. But we're 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 an animal. We're a sentient, you know, mammalian uh, species. And so, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I believe Faro works so well is because we're using animal fat. And we're an animal. Okay. Here's the coolest part, and this is one of the reasons why I think it's so effective. So. Uh, Pigs, if, you, if for, for your listeners that don't know, pigs are so genetically similar to humans, um, it's it's actually striking. And you know, uh, Doctor Avedia here is a trained heart surgeon. I'm gonna guess 
going to guess that at some point during his training, he laid his hands on at least one or two pig organs. Okay. We train our surgeons on pigs. We've used pig heart valves and various other organs in human bodies. Uh, Their skin is almost a spot on match to human skin in terms of the tension and toughness and elasticity of it. Okay. Which, which translates, Jack, it translates over to pigs and, and humans are extremely genetically similar. Okay. So when you want the, the, there's the magic trifecta of awesomeness in skincare, vitamin A, E, and D. That's alpha, echo, and delta. Okay. Pigs metabolize all three of those vitamins exactly mechanistically the same way humans do. Okay. So if you give a pig exposure to the sun, a healthy diet, and move them around so they're not in a, in a, toxic environment, you know, filled with poop and pee uh, on a regular basis. In other words, if you pasture those pigs out in nature and let them live a very fulfilling piggy life, then they are naturally metabolizing vitamins A, E, and D and storing those in their subcutaneous fat, okay, um, which we render out and turn into creams, okay? So that's number one. Number two is the, the, the absorption. You brought up the absorption. It Our creams absorb Almost instantly. Um, one of the big factors, and uh, Phil brought this up. Uh, I'll expand upon it a little bit. But you know, our skin is our second stomach. It's our largest organ, but a lot of people call it our second stomach. Okay, and you know, with our with our gastrointestinal tract, we've got all this. Um, we've got all these mechanisms in place to keep. A lot of people don't know this, but just because food goes in our mouth doesn't necessarily mean it gets inside of our body, right? And so you've got all these really smart mechanisms in, in, in the GI tract to keep food until it's properly broken down and, and the body's identified it to make sure it, it, it can come in um, to keep food inside our GI tract. All right. And then it gets down in the small intestines. So you've got those little microvilla and they absorb and bring, uh, bring uh, the nutrients into our body. Our skin works similarly. In that, if something is is uh, fairly neutral from a pH standpoint, it will absorb more quickly into the skin. And so, pig fat specifically, uh, lard, is naturally pH balanced and aligned to human skin because they're so similar to us genetically. And so, you've got this p- pH match. You've got a lipid match. Okay, so the balance of polyunsaturated, saturated and monounsaturated fats, and you've got this naturally occurring vitamin content, um, all three of which are unheard of in the commercial conventional skincare market, okay? And so you wrap all of that. I I like to tell people all the times, our creams are effective for two reasons. What's in them, which is great, okay? All these naturally occurring, you know, pH, you know, biologically aligned, vitamins and minerals and pH and uh, all that. That's that's fantastic. But it's also just as important about what's not in our creams, okay? Our cream, Farrow is a full-fat cream. When you open up a jar, it's a little dab will do you. It spreads out a long way. We don't emulsify with any water. When you introduce water to fat, you're creating an environment where mold and bacteria can grow up. You, you mentioned bacon, okay? You've cooked bacon before, Jack, right? 
Once or twice, yeah. Every now and then we cook a little bacon. And what do you do? You take the drippings, you take the drippings and you pour them in a little jar, right? And yep. they sit on your they sit on your kitchen counter for weeks, sometimes a month at a time. I mean, sometimes you know, you'll put them in the refrigerator True. sometimes. But you, you, uh, I, you build, I store mine on the counter. That, that's exactly right. And it, it will sit there and it'll be good to go for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. You just you you know, you brown your next burger with it or whatever that comes along. The reason you're able to do that is because there's no water. It's just fat that's that's being stored in that jar, right? Uh, if you're familiar with the, the with the cooking methodology known as confit, it's a French style of cooking where you render something so much that you, it develops a fat cap. Confit uh, duck is a very a very famous. I'll bet Doc, uh, I'll bet Doc eats confit all the time. Um, but 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 basically, you're cooking something and, and rendering enough of the fat to where the fat you know fat rises to the top, right? And so you got this nice big dish. The fat rises to the top. You you take the dish off the heat and let it solidify and and, and cap, and the fat will cap off the top of the dish. Even if there's water underneath, it'll cap everything off and hermetically seal it. Okay, so that that dish is good days or weeks later um until, of course until you break the seal until you break um, the seal yep so i feel like i'm all over the board here but no but i'm, I, I'm I think following I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to smart lard we've, we've trademarked smart lard as an ingredient in our, all of our creams it has to do with the way we raise the pigs and the way that they're uh the way that they eat the way that they live and the method with which we render the fat just to make sure it's super clean um when you're the first lard-based skincare company in the country, you sort of got to trademark a few things to make sure you're protecting the consumer. So if you're going to buy some lard cream out there, folks, make sure it says smart lard on it. One of but, the, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. One of, wow. you know, so, uh, so many interesting things that you've uh, touched on and, and I've just been sitting here listening, but I guess it is my show. So I got to talk a little bit today, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's fascinating to me that, you know, how you describe the traditional skincare market. And basically, they are trying to recreate, again, what nature made perfectly, you know, and we have these um, animal fats that are closely related to us. Uh, and by the way, I will verify that, yes, I have uh, spent, uh, you know, much time dissecting pig hearts and, you know, the heart valves that I implant uh, as replacement valves oftentimes are made from pig heart material um, because it is the uh, closest thing we have. You know, it was just in the news that they did a, uh, you know, a, uh, a transplant of a pig heart uh, into a human um, for the first time. Unfortunately, the patient, uh, you know, only survived a few weeks afterwards. Um, but, you know, when we look, there's a lot of interest about being able to transplant pig organs directly into humans because they are so genetically close to humans. Um, another interesting thing wow. that you talked about is how, um, you know, the way to raise a healthy pig is to not feed them a bunch of, you know, corn and soy and vegetable and seed oils and, you know, let them eat their natural, uh, diets and be outside. Um, and if you want to make a pig fatter, you feed them, you know, carbohydrates and grains. And that's exactly what makes a human fatter as well. 
so so many interesting parallels there. Um, but um, you know, what? Why do you think that lard got so demonized? Because if we go back a hundred years, uh, lard was actually the primary uh, cooking fat in you know in the United States, uh, probably worldwide. And then you know we saw this movement. Uh, this demonization of lard and this movement away from lard. And today, if you mention cooking with lard, uh, first of all, a lot of people won't even know what you're talking about. They don't even know what lard is. And if they do, they will say, oh, my God, you know, that's so unhealthy. How can you uh, use that stuff? So talk to us a little bit about how lard got such a bad reputation and why we should be, you know, returning to using it more. Sure. So, well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give a little credit. So I've learned a lot in, in developing a skincare product. Um, you mentioned, I know you've had a uh, Texas slim on actually I'm, I'm doing some work with slim. I'm going to be in Kerrville, Texas next month for his first uh, beef initiative conference. Really excited about that. But I was on his podcast, not, not too terribly long ago. Um, so here's the story, Procter and Gamble. Um, if you're, if you, if your listeners don't know, this, this is fascinating. I forget which was which, but one was a candle maker and one was a soap maker. I think Gamble was the candle maker and Proctor was the soap maker in the, uh, late 1800s. Um, soap, uh, back then was made in, uh, extremely large bricks. So the, they would make a big brick of soap and they would sell that brick to the local pharmacy, you know, in the little, in the little prairie town or wherever. And the pharmacist would then cut the soap up into individual blocks and sell that to the customer. And a um, couple things happened all at once. So they decided, Procter & Gamble decided they were going to start making soap in individual bars. And um, at the time, all of their soap was made with lard. There was a price fixing, um, I believe there was, as the history books tell me, at the time, they were trying to figure out how to do individual bars of soap. There was a price-fixing juggernaut going on with the lard and tallow industry, which I think was based out of Chicago at the time. And so they were seeing their costs drive up uh, through the lard fat. They teamed up with a German scientist. They figured out how to make cottonseed oil non toxic and and uh and they figured out how to hydrogenate it which made it more solid at room temperature and um and so they teamed up with this german scientist and they figured out how to do that so they started making soap with it was all this cotton you know cotton was everywhere texas actually texas slim's home state was the king of cotton and uh so they bought all these cotton mills and they invested in in making all this cottonseed oil and half the oil was going in for their candles, and the other half was going in for the soap. Sounds like a pretty good story, right? Well, what happened at the turn of the century? I don't know if y'all remember this or not. None of us are here, but uh, we we figured out like we figured out electricity, right? And so gradually, in the first two decades of of the twentieth century, let's just say candle sales started to plummet. Okay, everybody's got electricity and lights are on. And so Procter and Gamble's like, what in the world are we going to do with all this extra cottonseed oil we got laying around? Let's figure out how to really hydrogenate it and uh, turn it into a cooking oil. 
And so you can look this up. You can, yeah, you can look this up and find, um, find some of the early, the early, uh, ads. But the, again, you, you mentioned this, Phil, you know, the prevailing cooking oil at the time was lard, which for your listeners that don't know is a creamy white substance that came in a can or jar. And if you look at Crisco, uh, they actually, they actually colored it. You know, this is back in the early, early like 19th lard. to make it, to make it look like lard. They made it look like lard. <laughs> I, um, I mentioned, I, maybe before we got on the call, I mentioned my, my ex-wife and I've written these paleo cookbooks. So I've been in the cooking scene for, for a long time. And I would have, I would have bet dollars to donuts that the industrial seeds oils that are so prevalent in our food, certainly now, um, would have come from the food industry. And, and it's so crazy how this, this little Pharaoh project of mine, I've stumbled upon that it was actually the soap and cosmetic and skincare company that, um, that created Crisco. So, uh, some so, guy got promoted to executive vice president for coming up for, with that idea. And, uh, the rest yeah, is so, history. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, Phil, to okay, answer I wanna, your question. I, I want to back up. A, I want to back up a minute because you said something that I meant to ask you. I, I meant to ask you about, um, I should have done this way earlier in the conversation. You you talked about, I think, three different kinds of fats, ferro, tallow, and something else. Is that right? Would you define those? And then I've got another question once we get those defined. Sure. So uh, let, me, let me define two types of fat, okay? You, uh, and when I say fat, I mean fat on an animal. So everyone's going to know about what's called subcutaneous fat. That's belly fat on a human or back fat on a pig. Okay. That fat, um, has its primary function is a, is a storage organ. Okay. So you've heard about like, um, uh, the acorn finished Spanish him you know, all this like really high end, uh, Spanish cured ham. Okay. So, the, the the flavor from the ingestion of the acorns or whatever the case may be that that flavor and that all of that aroma and everything is is stored in the back fat in the subcutaneous fat of the animal okay, okay. then you have um, and doc you can chime in on the the actual term here but I'm gonna just call it uh, internal fat kidney fat okay the, so fat, humans that call it what, say that again. Visceral fat. Visceral, visceral fat. fat. Yep. Thank you. Forgot the term for a second there. So you have visceral fat, and in the case of a pig or a human or 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 a cow, the 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 primary function of that fat is to just purely protect the kidneys. Okay, and so it's it's not storing anything. It's just it's sort of hanging out as a it's it's almost like a seatbelt for your kidneys, right? It's just there doing its job, protecting the kidneys. So if you render the kidney fat of a cow, that is where you get beef tallow from. Okay. And if okay. you rent, if you render the kidney fat of a pig, that is called leaf lard. 
Leaf and lard. then okay. leaf lard. And then if you render the back fat of a pig, that is called lard. And if you, okay. if you, if you look up an old, your great grandmother's Foxfire, uh, old, old timey baking recipes, leaf lard was a prized cooking oil, especially for baking because it does not impart leaf lard by nature is no odorless aroma, no flavor and, and flavorless. That's right. Cause it's not a storage fat. Okay. And so it was commonly used. It was prized uh, to be used in baking because it, it did not impart flavor or, or, or aroma to whatever it was you were baking pie crusts wow. or, or, you know, whatever. Interesting. So, so I'm learning things. There you go. Lard, lard, leaf lard, and tallow. And we use various ratios of all three fats in our creams to get just the right texture for skin food and face food. Now, um, I just want to clarify, following up on the whole Crisco thing, you said that uh, Mr. Proctor and Mr. Gamble made candles and soap. And then you said, and this was the part where I went, huh? But now that I think about it, this was a, a key plot element in Fight Club. Soap used to be made from fat? Animal fat? S- soap is still made from fat. So oh. soap. Uh, Look at me. So, so, soap I, I is learn a. stuff all the time. This is fantastic. So the I, so I, the term the term saponification is when you take um, when you take a fat and a water there's fat water and uh, lye which is uh, what's this sodium high high I forget the I again I'm a farmer so I forget the terms but lye you take lye water and soap and uh, and fat. And everything gets to a certain temperature, and you put it together, and you and and you uh, mix it up, and then it saponifies, which means over a course of a number of days, it hardens and cures, and then you can use it as soap. I did not know that. I really didn't know that. Okay, so if we were washing our bodies with this particular kind of lard-based soap, would we have healthier skin? Yes. Uh, Jack, I'll have to get your address. That was pretty I'll unambiguous. I, I, no, I'm going to, I'm going to mail you some of my soap. I've, I'm making, I'm still tinkering with soap. Uh, we'll probably have a soap product at some point. Um, but yeah, yes. I mean, uh, again, back to the, w- w- Back to the magic. This stuff is, it's, it's biologically and genetically perfect for human skin, um, whether that be a cream or a soap or a shampoo. I mean, the applications, uh, you know, and I haven't dug into the history books very deeply, but we use animal fat for a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, this really gets back into, you know, how we used to use the whole animal um, and we've gotten away from that. Um, I will say I've I've switched to using tallow based soaps and shampoos and skincare products. Um, and um, I, I think I have pretty good skin 
but uh, tallow is but, tallow is cattle fat. Is that right? Uh, tallow is beef fat. Yeah. Beef so, fat. Okay. Um, but you know, one one qualifier here, and I think it's important to point out, is that you know the majority of the lard that's probably produced in this country uh, currently is not good quality lard uh, because pigs like humans, um, you know, depending on the food that they are fed, uh, those fats are going to end up, you know, in their fat. Um, the, the, uh, so if, uh, pigs, um, like humans are fed a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of vegetable, uh, grains and soys and corns, uh, they're going to end up with a high percentage of, um, polyunsaturated, specifically omega-6 uh, uh, fats, fatty acids within their fat tissue. It gets a little confusing because it turns out that, you know, fat can mean a lot of different things, but fatty acids right. in your fat tissues, um, which is not uh, good for human health or for pig health. Um, and, you know, as opposed to uh, cows, which are ruminant animals, that can actually convert uh, polyunsaturated fats back to saturated fat. So um, one thing to note is that, you know, um, going and buying, you know, your standard lard in the supermarket um, and rubbing it on your skin is probably not going to have uh, similar to results to what, you know, the well-raised uh, lard that uh, Charles and other regenerative farmers are producing. Yeah, Phil, I mean, I would say I'm trying to highlight the benefits of regenerative farming through the lens of skincare. Okay. And, and, and we can, we can wrap poetic and maybe come on, we can do another show sometime. I mean, I've got 10 or 15 years in the saddle of the paleo diet and cooking and things of that nature. So, um, you know, wait, you, you said it like using the whole animal. And so uh, this is a way for me to honor Pharaoh really represents a way for me to honor further honor this animal that I've raised up that has helped me, you know, heal the land and, and push the soil and, 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 um, and, and land in a more positive direction the the bacon on them tastes amazing and um i'm i'm utilizing this fat now to uh to really highlight a yet another benefit of of this animal and to your point absolutely um not only does a poor diet uh affect you know the 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 uh the fat profile and the toxicity you know stored in this animal's fat but also just their environment in general um you know the 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 industrial uh, the industrial pig market is ab abhorrent. It's just you know a pig grows up. So your your standard run of the mill pork chop that you buy in the store uh, grows up on concrete and never sees the sun. Now, wow, that is that's not an exaggeration. They are born in a house, raised in a house and die in a house having never seen the sun. This is an animal, I mean, again, that's so biologically similar to humans that they metabolize vitamin A, E, and D exactly the same way we do. So imagine, you know, Jack, Phil, spending 
spending a year without the sun, just one year, and 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 what would the, what would be the downstream, you know, nefarious health effects of of robbing wow. you of of that? And so, I get I get yeah, a little emotional about this. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah, it, no. It's really you know true, and and again, you know, just continuing on the theme that we've been talking about the last few weeks here. Um, you know, we if we want to improve our health. Um, as a society, part of that is going to, you know, require that we improve our, you know, our farming practices, our, um, our protein raising practices, as, uh, as Texas Slim would say. And, uh, you know, I, I think a large part of, of your story and of what you're doing, Charles, is, is doing that and is, you know, finding even more ways to benefit from that besides the better raised food. Um, if anyone out there has had bacon or had, you know, pork chops from a animal that's raised, you know, like Charles is talking about, um, you will know that it is, it, it's almost criminal that we call the, you know, commercially raised stuff bacon because it is nowhere near the same uh, quality, the same food. The the texture of the fat is is different um, and the taste is, is different. And so, uh, you know, I would highly recommend to people that if you have the opportunity, uh, to go out and get good pasture raised pork, that's not fed, you know, corn and soy, uh, you, you will, uh, greatly benefit from the, uh, op, you know, from that opportunity. Are, are yeah. pigs omnivores? Yes. Pigs are, Pigs, pigs are my favorite farm animal. Um, they are an omnivore, which means they're very gregarious and they're super curious because they're not sure if they're going to be able to eat you or not. So they come right up to you. You know, I mean, that we have a great relationship with them. Uh, it's fantastic. But, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought there. The um, pigs Sorry are omnivores. That. No, 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 no. What? Uh, Phil, the last point Doc, you made. He, he was talking about folks getting taking the opportunity to get a hold of pasture-raised ah, pork. Yes. For your listeners, um, there's, a, there's a website called Eat Wild. Um, and they do a really good job of, like, pulling in local farms. Uh, you know, you plug in your zip code and, and um, it's a, it's a, you know, you're right, Phil. I mean, the difference between pasture-raised pork and what you buy, it's, it's, they're completely two different eating experiences. Um, so I want all of your listeners out there to have access to uh, some pasture-raised local pork, chicken, beef, you name it. And eat, eatwild.com is, uh, is a fantastic resource to try and connect with a local farmer. I was at the farmer's market a couple of weeks ago, and uh, really, because of this show, Dr. Ovedia has, has had quite the influence on my eating choices. So I went to go meet some local meat producers and uh, shook hands with ranchers of, of various types of animals. Um, one of the folks that I bought a dozen eggs from grows emus. Emus. Now I got to tell you, uh, I remember there was a there was a big emu craze 
I don't know, 10, 15 years ago where they were going to be the, the next, the next thing. And, uh, I they just weren't. couldn't get excited about emus. <laughs> What's no, that? they weren't. There, there's a few people around here that, uh, lost their skirt on, uh, on emus. And, uh, I hey, listen more, more power to anybody that wants to try anything. Um, you know, in this country, in this country, we eat beef and pork and chicken. Um, I love a good goat. Goat's actually the the the, the most commonly eaten meat in the world, and we. Oh, eat, I didn't know that. Yes, and we eat next to I, no goat. I asked one of the farmers about goats because they did uh, they did cattle, sheep, and chickens. I said, "What about goat?" And he made some disparaging comment that, frankly, I don't remember about goat. Um, but I'd had the same thought. I mean, I love lamb. Lamb is my favorite. Lamb's right. fantastic. Yeah. And I figured lambs and goats are pretty close to, they're pretty similar animals. Um, I guess a goat is, is lean where a lamb is fat, but maybe that's, maybe that's a difference. No, I just the, didn't realize goat was eating that much. Well, and goats eat everything. Oh my yeah. God. Goats eat everything. Well, from a from a farmer's perspective, okay, um, there's a saying that if a fence won't hold water, it won't hold a goat, and and um, that's that's one of the reasons I don't raise them is they're just cantankerous as hell. Uh, you got to have a good market to be able to sell the product, and you know a, a fully a fully finished goat might you know might weigh. 80 to 100 pounds if you're lucky and so what are you going to charge for that meat and you got to take it to a processor and what are they going to charge you to process it because it takes them the same amount of time and energy to process a 100 pound goat as it does you know a 300 pound pig or a thousand pound you know beef and so it's it's an interesting i again Goat curry, one of my favorite meals on the planet. Um, but, you know, that that's not enough enough of a reason to raise a bunch of goats, unfortunately. Okay, well, let's let's talk about how folks find out more information about Faro skincare products and all the other things that you can do to help people uh, restore their metabolic health one way or another. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, the best, we have a website, pharaoh.life, and pharaoh, again, is spelled F-A-R-R-O-W, which is, uh, for your listeners that don't know, pharaoh is a, is a term for a new batch of piglets, uh, a pharaoh of piglets, uh, or pharaohing. Uh, so, oh, I um, did not know that we're, either. We're, we're, this we're getting has been a, a little, very informative show here. A little, little homage to our... Uh, our uh, poor kind uh, uh, upbringing, but uh, so but yeah, that's- a, a mama pig has has a, has what I would call a litter, but it's not a litter; it's a pharaoh of piglets. Yes, if you're, Is that uh, what if you're saying? yeah, if you're a farmer like me and you have mama pigs and daddy pigs, and you put them together, you're called a pig pharaoher. And yes, when 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 mama has her her litter of pigs it's a it's a pharaoh of piglets i'll be yeah. darned yeah so uh that's the best i place have learned more new things me. per per hour on this 
on this show than almost any other thing I do. This is fantastic. Okay, Pharaoh.life. And what, what, what are folks going to see when they get there? The, they're going to see, well, there's a, a, a lot of our story is there. Uh, we have a signature sort of our launch product is our, what's called our total skincare bundle. This is a, a skin food for the neck down, a face food for the neck up. And then um, I mentioned again earlier, we were in uh, the hemp business. So I have a skincare elixir that you take sublingually. And so that's really designed to sort of heal the skin from the inside out. So we do the inside out with the elixir and the outside in with the two creams. And uh, we, so we've got those sold in a bundle or you can buy them separately. And then our, our we got a hat. I got it somewhere. Hold on, I'll show you a our hat. hats. Nope. Oh, yeah. We there we a, go. Got a lard help us hat. I love it. <laughs> um, and T-shirt. Um, you know, it's I, I'll tell you, Jack, this is so funny. You know, when we were putting the brand and everything together, I, I, I had a team of people I was consulting with and, I, I, you know, of a dozen of them or so, you know, about half of them were like, ah, we don't need to say lard, you know, let's, let's get away from, you know, let's just sort of, let's just push that off to the side. Let's just talk about how it heals skin and helps. And I was like, no, no, front and center, like our logo is going to be a pig. We are, we're pro pig. Uh, pro healthy pig, uh, big lard. So that's our, that's the best place to find us. We've got an Instagram and a, and a, uh, and a, tw- and a Twitter account, but that's the best place to find us. Hey, I got to ask you, uh, Dr. Ovadia, what I want to give a discount code for your listeners, for anyone listening. Um, what, what should I, Ovadia, what should I do? I'll let you pick the discount code since this is going to air after we get off. How about we go with stay off? Stay off. I got it. There we go. Well, S- that is that is much S- appreciated. Yep. And, and I'm going to admit that, you know, when I started on this journey, um, I certainly uh, didn't really picture that I would be here talking about skin health um, and how it relates to your overall health and your metabolic health. But But here we are. And, you know, the reality is, is that, one of the aspects, one of the ways that you're going to stay off my operating table is by paying attention to what you're putting on your skin. And I think uh, Charles is doing some great work uh, to educate us all on that. This has been easily the most entertaining episode I've had in quite some time. Well, we, and we got a couple of, we got a couple of other barn burners coming up in the next few weeks, Jack. So, Strap in. All right. So uh, go to Charles Mayfield's website, pharaoh.life, and use the discount code stay off to get how much did you say? 90% we're, off? We're gonna do we're gonna do 20% off for uh oh, 20%. For, for Dr. See what O's. I was doing there? You done good. You done good. All right, very good. I love it. This has been well, it's been educational, but it's been a lot of fun too, Charles. You must, you seem like somebody who has a good time just kind of in general. Um, I guess your your meat is not really available to the general public. Is that what what I gather? No, I mean, regionally, if you're in Atlanta or Chattanooga or East Tennessee, uh, you can find me, but we're, we're, 
I, I'm not taking too many new customers right now. We're a very small farm and, and uh, I'm trying to remain loyal to those that have been with me through thick and thin these last few years. But I, I will candidly say that, um, you know, Pharaoh's success will certainly drive the expansion of Mayfield Pastures and uh, hopefully allow us to raise more healthy meat for people to consume. Again, um, just as important to metabolic health as what we put on our skins, what we put inside our our stomachs. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to be able to, to expand and grow that as well uh, at some point. But, yes, uh, that, that's, right. not, well, that's not a... We're going to provide lots of ways for folks to eat healthy as well as put good stuff on their skin. Charles, thanks for being with us. This has been a blast. Dr. O, any last words before we sign off? Like I said, this has been a great uh, conversation that I was really looking forward to. And uh, we have uh, we have many more like that coming up uh, over the next uh, few weeks and months here on uh, Stay Off My Operating Table. Indeed we do. Well, for Dr. Philip Ovedi and the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, I'm Jack Heald. You can follow Dr. O on Twitter at iFixHearts. He's also on Instagram. You can reach his website at ovediaheartheath.com. Be sure to subscribe. We drop a new episode just about every Tuesday at midnight, whatever the local time is for me. I'm in Arizona, so nobody ever knows. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Stop. There we go. It's not stopping. I'm going to have to edit this. All right. Come on. Stop. It's not stopping. This is so. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.